0: We do believe that you love us, that you care about us, that you have redeemed us, that you have saved us, that you have sacrificed for us because you love us. In spite of us, you have done that, and we are thankful. Right now, we just want to praise you and give you glory. I pray that you will be glorified this morning um, and continue to be glorified this morning as you have through this worship. Um, we are thankful for everything you've done for us. I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will fall fresh on us. Um, lead lead through your word this morning. Have your will be done this morning. Once again, we thank you. We praise you. May all the glory be yours. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. We are going to go back into Romans, something we've been hearing all year um, on this side of the county, on the west side of the county as well. And we're going to pick it up from uh, where we were last week at uh, Romans 12, starting in verse 9. And we're going to go through the end of the chapter. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out and uh, read along with me. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Unto one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Behold, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so... You will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let us pray one more time. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given it to us. And um, we, we just are thankful that we can come here this morning and look at your word. Once again, pray that your Holy Spirit be upon us and show us what you want us to see this morning. We thank you in advance. In your name I pray. Amen it's been a while since I've been up on this stage. It's probably been about a year or more. But greetings from the, uh, the west side. Um, everybody over there uh, it is part of Mercy Hill as well as you guys. But um, just they send their love and uh, just want to say hi to you. Um, things are going very well over there. As I was uh, preparing for this sermon and uh, thinking about how to open it up, I just thought to share a little bit about what's been going on in my life here in the last year. A while back, before this, uh, the merge and everything, um, this probably been about five years ago or more. uh, Some of you guys uh, knew this happened to me, but I was in a bad car accident. And um, I was kind of mangled up pretty good. I had a broken sternum and some other things that happened to my body. Well, about a year and a half ago, I I felt like my body hadn't completely healed up. Uh, My my, uh, back was still hurting quite a bit. And Finally, I went to the chiropractor, and they found out that my ribs were out of place. Lovely, right? It sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? it and it was, it was the reason for my constant pain in my back, the reason I kept popping Advil constantly. Um, no matter what I did, no matter what I, I do, um, I would try to try to remedy with that. And uh, after they figured out what was the problem, uh, put my ribs back in place, and they gave me exercises to do. And, and since then, I have been trying to get more healthy, I'm um, trying to get my body more healthy. Um, I've been doing uh, quite a few numerous things, um, walking a lot, riding bike, and here most recently, and some of you guys can attest to this because I know you guys are in class with me, uh, doing some mixed martial arts. And, and um, those are all things that I've been striving for in the last couple years um, since I've been able to figure out what my problem with my back has been. Uh, you know, some of, the, some of the driving questions was, what does it look like to have an overall healthy body? The older I get, the more I realize that I need to have a healthy body. Um, we're all going to leave this earth someday, but um, in what condition does really matter? Um, you know, and so there's actions that we must do to make our body healthy. Uh, there's actions that we must say no to, <laughs> like candy bars and ice cream and pizza all the time, pop. Uh, staying away from those things to make us healthy. And, and some of these things, you know, like if I can walk 10,000 steps a day, is a, is a way to get me to health, but it's also a mark of health, if you will. Does that make sense? And so I, I think this is what Paul, in, in a lot of ways, and as we've seen last, last week, um, Paul uses the body as an example of what we are as, as a church, that we all make up part of the church. We're all bodies. We're all, we're all part of that. And, and, and so I believe, as we continue into in verse 9, this is what Paul is kind of talking about. Um, he is giving us the practical things, the practical marks, if you will, of what a healthy body should look like, what a healthy church should look like. And, 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 and in a lot of ways, it's how to maintain that health as well. And so... We must, must do this individually and corporately. It, it is important for us to understand that, that, that as, as a believer, it's not just about my walk with Jesus. Although oh, that, that's very important, and our society likes to put a lot of emphasis on that. But it is important to know that I cannot individually walk with Jesus without you guys, without me being in your life. It's, it's vital for us to understand that, that we have other believers, other parts of the body that helps walk this world together. And so we need each other, just as much as my physical body as when of my rib was out of place and it was hurting me, my foot wasn't hurting, but I sure didn't want to walk. And so it's vital for us to understand that, and, and, and honestly. Folks, it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit which resides in each and every one of us as believers to be able to do these things that that Paul lays out for us. And guess what? Our flesh flesh is probably going to oppose most of these things. So we have to be aware of that as well. That our flesh is going to be, I don't really want to do this. Specifically, some of these things towards the end of the chapter are very difficult in, and I would say impossible in the flesh to do. I believe a lot, of the, a lot of these things boil down to loving God with everything we have and loving others as ourselves. Just as, just as Jesus talked to us about us in, in the Gospels. And so the rest of this, the rest of this chapter here, starting in verse nine, um, is is maturity in healthy believers in a healthy church, and it's mutual to each other. We cannot have one without the other. As as we begin here, and there's a lot here. <laughs> I, we could we could we could have a individual sermon on each one of these marks, and they're they're very important. But due to the time constraint that we have for a service, I'm not going to go into a sermon on each one of these marks. It's going to be kind of rapid fire here. And I'm, I'm just going to do a, kind of a walking commentary down through, through these marks that he, he lays out. Some I'm going to expound on a little more, some a little less. That doesn't mean that one is less important than the other. Hear me in that. It's, it's, but it's going to be kind of like... Um, If you know me, I like guns, and I like history. It's going to be kind of like uh, back in World War II. The Germans had this this gun, this this machine gun. um, I believe it was the MG42. They called it Hitler's buzzsaw. And it was such a fast rate of fire that you could not hear the individual bullets being fired off. All you heard was one blurp. And I, I really feel like in a lot of ways, this is Paul doing this to us. He's just unloading on us, and it is rapid fire. And through the whole the whole rest of the chapter here, and so i 'm going to try my best to navigate this and um, as we look through this and um, so starting in in verse nine, let your love, let love be genuine notice notice paul doesn 't even say "Love each other why not well there I, I believe he's assuming he 's making an assumption that as believers in Christ, we already are supposed to be doing that. So he doesn't even go into love each other. He just starts out by let your love be genuine. Let your love be real. And I think as you travel and navigate this life, you can, you can kind of figure out who's being real and who's being fake. Interactions with, you know, with people, even, even in like businesses, right? Uh, you go to Walmart, you come across the cashier. Maybe, you guys have a favorite cashier at Walmart? Do you have, better yet, do you have cashiers that you completely avoid at Walmart? Yeah, right? And, and, and sometimes it's because of their personality, right? Maybe, maybe but you, know, you can tell some of, the, some of the cashiers that are like my favorite at Walmart, they're just real and they 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 you know they're just like oh my goodness you got a dog when you have dog treats and everything but you know this is this is what the church is it is it is loving and being genuine in our love it's not being fake it's it's not it's 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 sacrificial living it's self-denying selfless self-giving serving others love has to be real it is In 1 John 3.14, it literally says it is a mark of a true believer to be someone that loves. And that's how we know that you are a true believer is when you truly love. And so this is vital. This is vital for Mercy Hill. How do we be genuine? How do we be real in our love? If you go back to uh, some of the Greek, it is... Um, it, it, it basically he's, he's, he's telling us not to be hypocrites. And, and, and the word hypocrite actually comes straight from a Roman uh, theater where where um, you, you would literally see these guys putting their masks, the actors putting their masks up in front of their face to be different characters. And that's where we get the word hypocrite in today's language. And so he's literally telling us not to to be hypocrites. Matthew uh, 6, uh, Jesus gives us the, um, the uh, story of the hypocrite that that was giving to the poor, and, and, and just it was all theater. It was all about putting on this big front, seeing how much I love people, and doing it in public. He said, do not be like the hypocrites that do that. Rather, give so no one sees you doing it. And so, are we... Are we able to love people when the doors are closed and no one is seeing us do what we do? The next is abhor what is evil. Or literally, hate hate what is, is evil. Um, that's in the uh, NIV, hate what is evil. And that's a very, very strong word. A lot of times we don't think that the Bible is going to tell us to hate something, right? But literally, the Bible says, Hate what is evil. What is evil? Well, once again, we have to come to the definition from the Bible, from God Himself. Our society is going to tell us there's a bunch of evil stuff out there. And the definition will change from generation to generation, if you will. But we have to go back to what, to what. It is that we are supposed to hate. Ultimately, sin. Anything against God's will. And where does this start? Well, number one, it has to start in our own lives. It's real easy to go out and, and, and look in society and say, man, I'm going to hate that evil out there. And we're, we're called to do that. We're called to do that. However, do we hate? Do we hate? The sin that is generated from our own hearts in the flesh. Do we hate that? And ultimately that's where it has to start. It has to start in my own heart. Earlier in Romans, we saw that that we are to (laughs) we go against our own flesh. That we see Paul say, I hate the things that I I do. I do not want to do those things. Do we have that struggle in our own lives? Do we hate the evil that we do? The other side of that, and this is where we need our brothers and sisters, am I willing to hear from my brother and sister if I wrong them or if I'm going down the wrong path? It's critical. It's critical that we have people in our lives that are going to be real with us in love to tell us that we're wrong. We cannot surround ourselves with just a bunch of cheerleaders and saying, you're awesome, and have a pep rally for every time I get together with them. It's good to be encouraging to each other. We need that. But I also need people to be real with me if I'm screwing up. Thank God for my wife. She helps me <laughs> do that a lot. It's, I screw up a lot. But, you know, that is, that is critical, that we have brothers and sisters in our lives that are willing to do that. The other, the other place is, are we willing to do that to our brother and sister in love? Sometimes we have to have hard conversations. Hard conversations to sit down with somebody and say, Man, have, have you have you what are you doing? Where are you going with this? They're not fun conversations, especially if we are having the concern for that other person and we are going to them out of love. There's conversations I absolutely do not want to have with people. But out of love, I have to be able to do that. And then we, we honestly can't tolerate the culture around us the the evilness that it produces and we have to we have to call that evil out we cannot let it come into the church and so there is definitely a time definitely a time to draw the line and to call out the evil that we see around us but it starts it starts with our own hearts and it starts within the church He goes on, hold fast to what is good. Some versions say cling. Cling to what is good. Cling to it like it's glue. What is good? Holy, righteous, morally acceptable, honorable. Promote what is good in ourselves. And really, what's, what's the good in ourselves? It's God, the Holy Spirit in us, and those around us in the church. Don't be obsessed with the evil around us. I see Christians do this a lot, and there's a lot of evil around us. But they get so focused on what's wrong with this world that they don't even see what God's doing is good in this world. And I do that myself at times. All I have to do is turn on the news for a little bit. But do we cling? Do we we stick to what is good? It's critical. It's critical for us to do that. He goes on, love one another with brotherly affection. Be devoted to one another. Deeply committed to one another. Do we do that? Or are we just, eh, he's going through a hard time. I'm just going to let him deal with that. Are we committed? Are we loyal to one another? Doesn't mean that we're loyal if they're wrong or heading down the sin. But in a way it does. I'm not going to give up on my brother. I'm going to continue to pray for him. I'm going to continue to be there for him, even though maybe he is going down that wrong road because I love him and care about him. I will remain loyal to him. Not necessarily what he's doing, but to him I will be loyal to. We get into verse 10. It says, Love, nope, outdo, outdo one another in showing honor. Showing honor to one another above yourselves, others before me. If you go to Philippians chapter two, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look not only to his own interests but also the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. When Jesus comes into our lives, he changes our lives. He changes our minds. And instead of becoming so self-focused on myself, I become focused on others. And so I'll ask you this. When was the last time, and we, we don't have many church carry-ins here, but when was the last time you weren't first in the food line? When was the last time that you were not first in the food line? When was the last time that you were last in the food line, that you let everybody else go? Um, I have a pastor friend. He's no longer in this area. And um, he, he had told me that there, there was an older lady, and, and she loved everyone, but she always had to be first for the food line. And in fact, when they had carry-ins, you would see her get up 15 minutes before the service was over so she could go get her spot in the food line. One time that she did not get that done, she actually butted in front of the line, of the food line. Food is a, food is a good thing, and it's a necessity thing, but a lot of times it can rule our minds, Right? become obsessed with it. And, and I'm just using food as an example because every one of us likes it most likely. But when is the last time? When is the last time that you said you first? I'm 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 going to be second here or I'm going to be last here. When's the last time you did that? Showing honor to the other person. Head into eleven. Do not be slothful in zeal, quick to do the right thing. Are we waiting to do the right thing when we know we have to do it or should do it? Growing up, growing up over in Holmesville, um, every year uh, we would have a uh, a, um, a firemen's festival to raise money for the voluntary firemen, and and one thing that always. And I know we have some firemen here, and I just want to thank you for your service. But they, they always carried, especially, um, and I think they still do it, especially when I was growing up, they, they were huge, though. They, they were these big pagers that they carried on their sides, right? And as soon as they would go off, what would they do? They would run through their vehicle, jump in their vehicle, and take off Because there was an emergency, there was a fire, or there was somebody that had fell in their house, they had to go help through the squad. And and this this is literally the picture that we should be giving ourselves as Christians, as believers, as somebody that Jesus has done so much for me. Are we quick, as soon as we see a need, to jump in and help, to reach out to others? And I know there are some that do that very well here at Mercy Hill. And I'm very thankful for them. In that, serving the Lord, not being lazy towards others, especially my brother and sister in Christ, it means it means we're not a spectator in church. We're not just a consumer coming to church to get something out of it. But we are here as a body, as a family, to help each other. Now, I do want to make a special note here. We always want to leave room for people that are going through burnout or having a lot of hurt in their their lives, especially their past lives. We want to bring healing to you, And so coming to Mercy Hill and sitting for a while was not a problem. In fact, we would encourage it. I've encouraged people to sit for a while. Sit and, and be poured into. To have a relationship with those. But there comes a time when, when that healing has been taking place to say, Okay, now I have to, I have to be serving the Lord in some way. And I I see no other best way, if you will, to serve the Lord than in the local church. And if you call yourself Mercy Hill, I would just encourage you. I would encourage you to ask the question, first and foremost, what does the Lord want me to do? But I would also encourage you to uh, somehow, if you're not, and if if you're in a place of not being burnt out, we're not being going through some hurt to to ask us, you know, the leadership or um, just just grab somebody and ask them how how they can serve, how you can serve at Mercy Hill. And by the way, serving isn't just so that the serving is actually beneficial for the person serving. You get a, a huge blessing. You get a huge blessing out of it. We come into, into verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be joyful in hope. Being positive, being glad in spite of the circumstances we may even be going through right now. And this isn't just optimism. I'm not, I'm not, I kind of have an allergic reaction to optimists at times because you know they're they're bouncing around. Now, notice rejoice in hope. What kind of hope are we talking about here? It's a positive expectation of the future, if you will. And the ultimate hope for us as believers is Jesus. Do we believe that that God is working right now in this world? We know he's coming back, but he has not left us. The Holy Spirit is in us. He's doing things in our lives. He's doing things in the world. He has saved us. He has saved me. Do you believe? Do you believe that God is still saving people? Do you have that hope? I hope so. I believe with everything I have that God is still saving people today and that he is grabbing onto people, onto their hearts, and doing things in their lives before they even know that he is at work in their lives. And so it is really one of my big hopes and I can rejoice in, I have joy in, as we proclaim the gospel, as we show people, Jesus, in the community. That he is going to do something through that. It's not me doing it. It's not me doing it. It's God working through me to make things happen. Through you to make things happen. Do you believe that? Do we have joy in that? <laughs> I hope so. Once again, I hope so. Because that is, that is huge, As we do what we do as a church, to know that God is saving people and grabbing them out of spiritual death to spiritual life. It's amazing. It never gets old. It's the biggest miracle, the biggest miracle that God can ever do is take someone from spiritual death to spiritual life. Be patient. Be patient in tribulation. Be patient in trouble. when we are between a rock and a hard place, to be patient. Easier said than done. I know for myself, this is one of that I struggle with is having patience. But we know the end of the story we know we know who has already won that's jesus and also know that through tribulation through trouble god is doing things that he's in charge he is completely sovereign that he has this i'm a lot more patient when i understand that and i remind myself of that that god is in charge in doing things even when it doesn't seem like he is be constant in prayer pray without ceasing you may say well how how do you do this I think a lot of times it depends on how we look at prayer Is prayer just a list of my wants and desires to be fulfilled? And I'm not saying that that's bad. It's not not bad. God wants us to go to him with all our concerns, with all our worries, with everything that, that we have. But is that all we think of prayer as? If it is, we're missing something. It would be like... Me, going to my dad as a kid, and the only time I would talk to him is when I want something. I want my allowance. I want the cars, the keys, to my, the keys to your car. I want this, I want this, I want this. And never having a conversation with him. Never saying, hey, how you doing? Not having that relationship with him, right? And, and who is God. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, he is my heavenly father. He is, I can call him my father, the creator of the universe. And he wants to have a relationship with me. Do we talk to God? Do we talk to our heavenly father on a daily basis? And once again, there's no formula for this. I know for myself, a lot of times, even when I'm driving down the road, right? Just talking to God. Sharing my thoughts. Asking where he wants me to go today. Asking me what he wants for me to do. Asking that he puts people in my life that he wants me to talk to. Being dependent on him for my day. Once again, it's all about relationship with him. It's possible. It's possible because of what Jesus has done for us. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Being generous. Sharing what we have with each other. Pushing all our stuff that we have into a pile and saying it's for for everybody to, to have. That's the picture that we get from this. Seek to show hospitality. And these these really go hand in hand. The NIV says practice, practice hospitality. To pursue, if you will. To love strangers. To welcome people into our congregation. Believers and non-believers even, into our fellowship to show kindness, taking in strangers, taking in needs around us, meeting needs. And I know, once again, there's a lot of people at Mercy Hill that do both, contributing to needs of others and showing hospitality. I'm very thankful for that. But it should be a hallmark. It should be a hallmark of something that the church does continuing to look to others before myself. And I want to take a pause here. Um, as I said, it was, it, it's kind of like rapid fire here. Starting in verse 14, I, I, really, 14 kind of has a different tone here, if you will. And, and some, some commentaries say it's a lot of going from the inside of the church onto the outside of the church, um, I, I would say that there, 9 through 13 is a lot of action. Here's the things you need to be doing, right? I think 14 on is reactions to things that are done to us. Let me, let me say it again. Reactions after something's been done to us. And I'm going to tell you what, I think the reactions sometimes are harder than the actions, at least in my own life. Because actions, at least I can be like, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this today. But my reaction happens a lot of times spontaneously because something has been done to me, and I wasn't expecting it. And oh, boy. (laughs) I mean, you know, how many of you... uh, I've been, like, ostracized in public, even. I, I one day, and I, I love doing this for people. I love opening the doors for people. Like, we're going shopping. And I opened this door for this lady, and she ostracized me for opening the door for her because, what, you think I'm a weaker sex than you? You're doing it? Oh, my goodness. Once again, you don't expect that To come out of doing something good for somebody and my first inkling was to slam the door back on her face right but I I didn't I didn't Uh, but it was really weird and and so when we do something good for somebody we expect good in return what happens when the good is not returned to us how do we react to that it is much easier to love our friends but a lot harder to love our enemies, a lot harder to react to something. And so, once again, I'm going to double down here. We absolutely need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit for our actions, but we need the Holy Spirit in our lives for those times when we react. And this possibly might be one of the reasons that we need to be praying continually. This is where the rubber meets the road. So starting in 14, bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. This is completely flipped on its head of what the natural human being will do. Bless and do not curse Extend grace with our words and actions to those who are persecuting. And that literally, persecute literally means to put to flight or to drive somebody away. You may say, Well, Matt, I get along with everybody. No one's going to persecute me. Well, John chapter 15, 18 through 19. Jesus says that the world hates me, and if you follow me, the world will hate you also. And if you have not experienced someone hating you for following Jesus, I'm going to tell you, most likely you're going to find it somewhere along the line. The world hated Jesus, and he will, they, they will hate us for following him. They will persecute us for following him. And yet, we are to bless them and not hate them. It goes on, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. First Corinthians 12, 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If you are if you part if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And as as I was thinking through this, rejoice with those who rejoice. That actually sounds pretty easy, right? Until what happens at work when somebody gets the promotion that you wanted really badly? Are you willing to celebrate with them? My neighbor just got a new car, and I'm still driving this hunk of junk from 2000. And I'm having to put all kinds of money into it because it's just falling apart. And yet, man, it's his second new car in less than a year. How's that fair? The reason I'm smiling is because I've had these kind of conversations with myself. (laughs) Are we able to rejoice when good things happen to others around us? Are we really willing to rejoice in that? Or are we going to become, that's not fair, and covet what they have? Can we celebrate with those that are going through good things even though we may not be going through those good things at this point in time? Can we hurt with those that are hurting? Once again, not being fake in it, can we truly love with all sincerity when somebody is going through a hard time, when they are literally weeping, when they are completely at loss, when they are going through a loss of a loved one or a loss of something. Do we have sympathy and empathy for people when they are going through good things and good times and bad as well? Do we feel the pain that they may be going through? We are, we are not to be disconnected from those that are in the body. We are, as, as believers, we are not to be this island that's on themselves. Working at the nursing home, I know that there were some nurses that would disconnect themselves from residents. And these were some veteran nurses. And when you would get to the bottom of it, the reason they disconnected themselves and it made it all about business was because they didn't want to feel that pain of losing somebody. They didn't want to have to go through that pain of being connected with somebody and having to have their feelings in a vulnerable position. And sometimes I think we do that as believers. Maybe we've been hurt too many times. Or maybe we just don't want to go through any more hurt with anybody else, and so we disconnect ourselves from that. We absolutely cannot do that as believers. We have to be connected to others. We need each other to celebrate and to mourn. Jesus had compassion on people. Jesus wept for people. We should be willing to do the same thing. Live in harmony with one another. Unity in Christ. This does not have to mean that we all look the same. We've talked about this before at Mercy Hill. Um, one of my biggest, I think, biggest example in my head right now is, is the fact that um, we live in Holmes County. There's an invisible line somewhere about Holmes Lumber, West Holmes and East Holmes. There's a few, there's few people that laughed about that. And if you lived around here at all, any time, a length of time, you know that there's two different cultures that are colliding in, in Holmes County, right? and uh, you know just part of my my personal experience i've i've was raised and have lived most of my life in the west side of the county and i i always told god that i'll go to whatever church you want me to i just won't go to any 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 church in the east side of the county <laughs> yeah you know i mean west side's kind of known as just a bunch of rednecks Right, And I kind of embrace that at times. But this is the thing, guys. God is so much bigger than those cultural divides, if you will. And that he wants unity, not for unity's sake, but he wants to unify us in Jesus. And so it is actually... A sign of health when not everybody looks the same. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. In other words, don't be a snob, don't think you're better than anybody else. When I was in high school, I had a—I was part of a a ministry. Right out of high school, I I was thinking about becoming part of the leadership there, and and to be to be clear, this was a the director at the time at Wayne County. This wasn't the the whole organization's view of this, but his his whole idea was to. And and the idea of this organization was to reach out in the schools to share Jesus with with. Uh, with kids that didn't know Jesus. Okay. And so his whole idea was how to make this happen was we need to get all the popular kids. Let's get the high school quarterback. Let's get the head cheerleader. Let's let's get all of these kids that are popular that everybody will follow. We'll get them on board and then we're going to really make something out of this. Well, I had an issue with that. Because I didn't see that's how Jesus did things in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Jesus did go to the, the popular people at times, but he was also so willing to go to those whose society said was lowly, to the, 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 the downtrodden, the people that people said aren't worth it. Jesus wanted them, even ate with them, ate with sinners, This is how we need to be running our lives. We need to associate with those maybe in our workplace that aren't looked upon as, as really great. Or maybe someone in our neighborhood that mm, has a sketchy reputation. Are we willing to, be, to associate with these people, to love them, Right where they're at. Never be wise in your own sight. Don't be a know it all. Listen, be mindful of what others have to say. When did you apologize last? Repay no one evil for evil. Self-control. No paybacks, no revenge. Don't try to get even. At one of my former workplaces, there was a lot of practical jokes that would, would go out and about, and there was always paybacks, right? And you would, it would escalate. It never failed. The paybacks at some point in time would get out of hand because somebody was trying to outdo themselves from the last payback. We cannot, we cannot have that mindset as believers in Christ. But give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Doing what is right even when no one's watching. Integrity, right? Just because it's legal doesn't necessarily mean it's moral. Trying to do what is the moral thing. The, do we have integrity? if possible so far as it depends on you live peacefully with all <clears throat> i think i think we probably know we probably all know somebody that is argumentative and is offensive and sometimes they go out of their way to be that way this is the opposite of what this is talking about don't pick a fight don't look for conflict it's unfortunate because I, I know, I, I, I've known pastors like this, right? If, if, if you don't agree with them completely, they're going to pick a fight with you. Well, you know, theologically, if you, don't, if you don't align with exactly every little thing that they believe in, and these are all not even secondary things, they're probably third down the list of things that actually do matter, They're gonna they're gonna go off on you and pick a fight with you. Be a peacemaker. Blessed is a peacemaker, and it really does come down to our attitudes. Don't be looking for a fight. The rest of this chapter, it it circles back from verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And 17. Repay no one evil for evil. And it seems to see that Paul kind of doubles down on these things. On these points that he made. And once again, it's how to react when you've been wronged. In my flesh... In your flesh, most likely we have an idea of how to react when somebody wrongs us. And yet, Paul is here saying, don't take it into your hands. Don't take it into your hands. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay Says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do we trust God? Do we trust God in this? I guarantee that there's going to be justice. Because God is the author of justice, He is the ultimate justice holder. Notice it says the wrath of God, and this has been a reoccurring theme in Romans 13, or in, in Romans altogether. There's been 13 different times that Romans Paul talks about the wrath of God. There is no dark side of God. And a lot of times we look at the wrath of God as this 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 darkness. What it is, it's a heated passion of righteous anger against sin. Heated anger because something has violated his perfect holiness. Once again, we don't really like to talk about the wrath of God. But it is ultimate justice. And I can guarantee you, because this is what the Bible says, no sin ever committed in this world will go unpunished. No sin. No sin will we look the other way on. Every sin, all sin, including mine, including yours, will receive the full wrath of God. And it's either handled in two places. It's either complete separation from God for all eternity in hell, which, by the way, is what we deserve, or it has been taken care of on the cross. If you have put your trust in Jesus, put your faith in him, your sin has been taken care of. On the cross. Praise God. It's amazing. I just want to take a pause here. If you have not put your trust in Jesus, I beg you, beg you, do not leave today without doing so. Because eternity in hell, a place of punishment, a place of agony a place that is unspeakable is awaiting you if you don't. But we can and we should rest in the fact that God has this justice. Otherwise, We become like the kid in school. My wife has taught, uh, she's not teaching currently, but she's taught for about 23 years. And almost every year she would come home and there would be this kid that would try to police the classroom. You guys ever have classmates like that? Where, teacher, he's talking teacher, he did this, teacher, he did that, he did this, he did this, constantly trying to bring and police the whole classroom. And ironically, the kid that's doing that is more of a distraction and more of an issue than the kid that originally did something. In a lot of ways, that's how it is when we try to take justice in our own hands. Do we trust God that justice is going to prevail. And so this really does come down to a trust factor. Our part is very clear. Show love. Just as God showed love to us. Why we were still enemies, God died for us. Jesus died for us. He laid his life down for us. God's part is, is justice. And it is perfect and good. For do, by doing so, you will, re, you will heap burning coals on his head. And there's, there's a lot of different commentaries out there what this means. First and foremost, we can trust that God's justice is going to prevail. The one commentary I was reading, I really, really liked about it and this is kind of my personal take on this, your act of kindness may bring conviction to that person and actually lead to God saving them. You ever think about that? How you react to someone's sinfulness may actually lead God to working in their lives Worship team, you're more than welcome to come on up. Last part here, twenty-one. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome in this in this uh, definition of this would be defeated, conquered, overran, consumed by. So do not be do not be consumed by evil, but Consume evil with good. In this, we, we look to the cross as our ultimate example. Christ suffered unjustly. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse, verse 21, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Christ's death is the ultimate and living example to us here at Mercy Hill. And it goes on, verse 24, He himself for our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. It's amazing. With all these many, many marks that we had looked through from 9 to the end of the chapter here, It is only possible to do what Paul is calling us to do because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's my prayer that we will look to him, trust in him as the example given to us. in that we will do what God has called us to do. Let me pray. Father God, we we come before you and we thank you so much for what you've done for us. The fact that you have saved us, the fact that you love us in spite of ourselves. And that really is ultimately uh, what you are calling us to do, to love others in spite of them, in spite of what they may do to us. And so, Father God, right now, I just pray that we will be able to love you fully with everything we have. I also pray that you will uh, lead us and guide us through your Holy Spirit. Give us the supernatural love that only you can give. Once again, we thank you and we praise you for all the many things you've done. May your name be glorified in our lives. In your name I pray, amen.